Isn't it wonderful to be in love with Jesus? Amen. As I knelt down to pray during our um, time of prayer and the service, I, I had the thought, where would I be without Jesus? And you know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't go down that thought at all. I just told the Lord I didn't want to even, I didn't even want to think about it. So grateful that He ever found me. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me if you would to Zechariah chapter 6. Zechariah chapter 6. We started this chapter last week. We, we discussed the vision of the four chariots. Thank, I'm thankful that God's in control, even of those that haven't surrendered themselves to Him. He's still in control. And I, I, I'm encouraged by that. We have, we have completed the visions of Zechariah. And um, from what I understand, uh, we've, we've completed the easy part of the book. Isn't that encouraging? Um, but I believe there's a, a beautiful picture here for us. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Zechariah chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 9. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Take of them of the captivity, even Heldai and Tobadiah and Jedidiah, which are come from Babylon, and come thou the same day, and go into the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Then take silver and gold, and make crowns, and take them upon the head of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. And speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. And the crowns shall be to Helam, and to Tobijah, and to Jedediah, and to Hen, the son of Zephaniah, for a memorial, the temple of the Lord, and they that are far off shall come and build the temple of the Lord, and ye shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you, and this shall come to pass, if ye will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Father, thank you for loving us first. Thank you for giving us a heart that wanted to love you. Thank you for changing our hearts, taking out the stone only heart and putting in a heart of flesh. And Father, as we look at this prophecy, we ask that you'd help us, to help us to rightly divide the word of truth, and may we glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Who likes drama? Now, I don't mean the nonsense of people getting things worked up. 
I don't mean family drama. I don't mean, and I don't mean to be sexist here, but, but girl drama. I mean, girls are really good at it. But there's some guys that are pretty good at it, too. I don't mean the drama queens and the drama kings. What I mean by drama is, is uh, 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 acting, uh, a play, uh, a skit. That's drama, and that's, they call that drama class, if you try to learn how to do that stuff. And here is something that is unique. We have before us not a vision like we've had before, but the Lord has instructed our prophet to go and perform a prophetic drama. Isn't that kind of neat? Now this happens throughout the prophets. This isn't unusual. This isn't Zechariah isn't the one who comes up with this. There's others. Ezekiel does several of them himself. Some that I'm very thankful the Lord didn't ask me to participate in. And some of you are chuckling because you know you've read Ezekiel before. And if you haven't, I recommend you peruse it a little bit and see. And, and you would agree, you're glad that you don't didn't get called to uh, to perform in these particular prophetic dramas. Prophetic dramas have, have I, I'm I don't know when the first one was. I'd, I I I I can't say for sure. I know that even false prophets even did prophetic dramas. You remember when King Ahab asked. He, uh, Je King Jehoshaphat, if they could go to war together, and Jehoshaphat asked for, for a prophet, and Ahab brings out the false prophets, and this guy gets out a set of horns, and he's the Lord's gonna gonna run them over like the like uh, these horns, and, and made a big show and a big deal, a big prophetic drama. It was a false drama, a false prophecy, but it made a big show. Prophetic drama. I don't know that I've ever preached about prophetic dramas before. I know that I've preached on uh, especially that particular passage, but I, I don't ever recall preaching about prophetic dramas. And this is a prophetic drama. And so the characters are set and, and bring these particular men uh, from the captivity here. And, and uh, now uh, uh, what I want you to do uh, is I want you to form a, a crown, a fashion a crown of silver and gold. And then I want you to go to Joshua, the high priest, and I want you to crown the high priest as king. Now, this is not Joshua taking over Zerubbabel's role. This is, again, they're acting things out. And we look at this, and, and to be honest with you, it's on the surface of it, you wonder, what is going on? What is going on? What is all this stuff going on? And what's so unique, and, and this is such a privilege for us, is that we are standing on the other side of this prophecy. We, are going, we get a chance to look at this prophecy, and, and we, get, we know that it has been fulfilled. We get to see all the things that God does, and there is just some super unique, uh, just... Just some incredible things. I, I can hardly contain my excitement, really. There is, there is so much here. First of all, I think it's interesting that Joshua, his name. Joshua, of course, in, in Hebrew is Yahshua or Yeshua. 
And that's also Jesus' name. Jesus and Joshua is the same thing, in case you don't know that. Uh, Joshua is the Hebrew form, and Jesus is the Greek form. I thought it was funny that growing up, different ones would say, you can't name a kid Jesus, but Joshua was okay. It's like, okay, it's the same name. So I think that's neat, that here, this prophecy, this, this drama that's going on, that the high priest is priest and king represented here, and he's got the name Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. It's exciting. And then, the next thing that we see is, of course, it's the prophecy concerning the Messiah, is that, that is called the branch. Now, Zechariah is not the first to call him the branch. Isaiah has called him the branch. I believe Jeremiah has called him the branch. It's not uh, an unusual thing for, for, Jesus, uh, for Jesus and the Messiah to be called the branch. But I think, thought it was interesting that Jesus says that, that he is divine. He's the branch. He is the main vine, and we are the branches that shoot off from that vine. But Jesus is the branch. So and we see another, oper- uh, another prophetic uh, picture of Christ. But there's, I skipped one here, and, and I skipped it on purpose because I don't think I would have noticed it if, uh, if I hadn't read this. Did you catch what Zechariah is supposed to say? He says, Behold the man. And if you recall, Pilate says the same exact phrase. Behold the man. And, it's, and I'm sure that when John was recording that and writing the, uh, uh, the events of that day, I have to be, uh, I, I'm just convinced in my heart that John heard that's exactly what Pilate said, but I'm remembering and uh, studying, and, and that's what Zechariah said here in this prophecy concerning Christ. Behold the man. Exciting stuff. If you get excited about that kind of thing. I do. I get excited about that stuff. Why do I get excited about that stuff? Well, one, it, to me, there's no doubt, nobody has any doubt that I know of, that Zechariah was written before Christ. And second of all, I, I, it, it's a build to my faith. It helps me grow my faith. As, as God has orchestrated all of these things, and it continues to be fulfilled. In fact, the, that's not the end of the prophecies. There, there's more to it. He says that, that the branch is going to grow up, and that that he's going to build the temple, the house of the Lord. And, they are, and, and certainly, Jesus established a new kingdom, a new temple. He told the woman at the well, he said, that you, uh, there's coming a day when we're going to worship in temples. Not made with hands. We're going to worship in spirit. And in truth, the whole temple thing gets changed up. It gets flipped upside down. 
And Jesus sets up a new temple. And they who come afar off to build the, the house of the Lord, that's us, the Gentiles. Those of us that, that are not part of Israel, this is a prophecy concerning us. Well, I hope somebody gets excited here. You're making me kind of feel lonely here. I, I, I know, I kind of, maybe you'll think I'm a Bible nerd or something, but this stuff, just to me, this is just good stuff. I, I mean, here's Zechariah, he doesn't, he, they're trying to build a, a physical temple, and here the Lord's saying, I want you to put on this, this prophetic drum, I want you to put on this skit, I want you to put on this, this little play for everybody to see, and, I, and in it, I'm gonna, I want you to know, uh, Zechariah, that you're prophesying about me. I'm one of those that come from afar off to build the house of the Lord. And that's talking about you. And that just excites me. Now I could end the sermon right there and I'd feel good in my soul. But you might not. Well, you might be happy that I just quit early. <laughs> but, but I believe that there's something that's really important here. This is a prophecy that is that has got to flip the minds of the people here. And it's this, that the coming Messiah is going to unite the office of priest and the office of king. This is not the way that it used to be. In fact, Saul tried this himself. A couple of chapters beyond where we were studying this morning... Saul is, is going to make another sacrifice. He's going he's to tempt the Lord. And that God is going to determine to take the office of, the, of, being, of king away from his family because there is too much of King Saul trying to become priest and king. But he's not the only one who does it. King Uzziah tries it. King Uzziah, now he doesn't try to sacrifice. He tries to burn incense before the Lord. And do you know what happens to him? Leprosy spreads on his forehead, and until he dies, he's a leper. As a warning to any and all who would say, I wish to be king and priest, anyone who would try to join those two offices, they would be denied by God. There is only one who is worthy to hold the office of both king and priest, and that is our Lord. It is why in our nation we talk about the importance of the separation of church and state. And if we're honest, there's never much peace between church and state. And whenever the church and state get too entangled, do you know what often happens? Atrocities. The state and the church got in together and, and there, we've got, I mean, all sorts of, of uh, wars that, that, that were wrongly motivated. Now, do I believe that our morals should affect our laws? Sure I do. Sure I do. But when you start tangling up the two, you often have a problem because people, we can't handle, we can't handle having religious responsibility and secular responsibility uh, for all others. And God separates those. 
When a king tries to do both, what happens is it's disaster. We need these offices separated. And I don't want the government to tell me what I can and can't preach. I don't. I get concerned when they talk about hate speech bills and all these kind of things. You know, in Canada, they tell the preachers what they can preach and what they can't. There are certain things that they're not allowed to preach. And if they do, they can be fined or jailed. If it falls under hate speech. You can put all the things you want in our, in our disciplines and manuals to say that we can preach it, but the state says they're higher than God. And the state's always said that. And the state always feels that way. And that's why the disciples said that we ought to obey God rather than man. It's an awful thing when they get mixed up, unless it's done by our Lord. So we have Jesus as priest. Now, priest is interesting. In fact, the Hebrew writer is going to spend a lot of time talking about Jesus as our high priest under the order of, of Melchizedek. And, and, and there's so much here, and, and we could go all over. And, I, and honestly, a, a, a message on the priesthood of Christ could seriously take weeks to go through. It's exciting stuff. But I think there's a couple of things that we should just pull out quickly. A priest was had to be one of the people. He could... He wasn't a special person. He wasn't, he wasn't separated from the people. He had to be one of the people. And it's one of the reasons why it was important for Jesus to come to earth as the branch, come as, as, as someone who is not very much of anything, not, not anything to look at, not, anything, not any wealth, not any fame, not any glory. He had to come as one of the people. I feel like I'm pre- preaching Christmas this morning. Or this evening. Don't even know when. It, don't know what time of year it is. Don't know what time of day it is. I'm in bad shape. He had to come as, as, as one of us. So that he could identify with us. So he could identify with, with our hurts. And he could identify with our temptations. And he could identify with our pain. And he could identify with our struggles. And and. And on and on, all the things that we face as a people, we needed a high priest that knew what it was to go through what we go through. The high priest had had to be one of the people, but he also had to be holy. He had to be holy. Now that isn't to say that they didn't sin. They, They certainly did, but they would have to offer sacrifices for their sin before they could offer the sacrifices for the people. They had to get right with God themselves first. But thank God Jesus didn't have to do that. He didn't have to get right. He was just right. He was holy from the beginning. And he is holy still. You know what's interesting about the temple? Is they didn't have any chairs. You can, you can see there's a wash basin. There's, there's the altar. There's the Holy of Holies. There's curtains. But there's no chairs. The priest didn't get to sit down when he was on the job because it was, 
the work was never done. There was constantly the job of mediating between God and man. A man continually has need of, of mediation. But here's what's incredible. When Jesus made the sacrifice... He made it once and for all, and he went to sit down by the, by the very right hand of the Father because the work was complete. Old Aaron didn't get to sit down. Joshua, the high priest, he didn't get to sit down. But Jesus, when he made the sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. The work is done. That's incredible. We don't have to have an altar up here where we're killing animals for our sins. We don't have to. And folks, let's just take this a little bit further. We can go on into holiness. We can get sanctified and not keep having to go over and keep asking God to forgive us. We can be holy and we can be sanctified and know the work is done. Well, I hope you're starting to get a little excited. I'm really just getting wound up. <laughs> he is priest. He is priest. He is mediating before you and for me. But the sacrifice was once and done. The blood of bulls and goats and sheep and, and all the turtle doves and all that only lasted for a moment. But really, that, even that didn't please the Lord. All that blood that was spilt through the centuries all pointed to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And all that blood, they said the blood would flow. But I want you to know that his blood flows still. <laughs> there is a fountain filled with blood. Torn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Praise God. Hallelujah. He not only is our high priest, but his sacrifice was complete. And I just, to be honest with you, I just don't understand these people that want to say uh, sin and religion, just do whatever, you know, they just sin and sin and sin. What? We've got a complete sacrifice for us. Why don't we enter in? Well, I got to get going here. He not only is priest, but I told you he's king. He's king. They said a, th a, a crown upon his head. Silver and gold. And you know while Jesus was here, they set a crown of thorns on his head. In fact, our team sang about that just before this message. But I want to tell you something. Revelation tells us they're going to set a different crown on his head. It's going to be a crown of glory. <laughs> I don't know what that's made out of. I don't know. If, maybe in heaven, glory is some kind of thing you can touch and feel I don't know but one of these days they're going to take and they're going to put a crown of glory upon his head and all those that mocked him they will bow and they will say worthy is the lamb who is slain and all those that have been redeemed they're going to bow and they're going to say worthy is the lamb who is slain 
And you and I, we're going to be there on that great coronation day when he's crowned king of kings and lord of lords. And we're going to say, worthy, worthy is the lamb of God who is slain. And he will reign forever. Wow, am I, I'm even quoting Christmas songs now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> he will be king of kings and lord of lords. But I want to tell you, it's not just will be. He is king of kings. And all the kings of this earth and all the presidents and, and all the czars and whatever other titles they want to give them, they will answer. <laughs> And they do answer. Even now. You know, we get all worked up about our presidents. You get a certain president in. He's from a certain political party. And, and you, invariably, you'll hear somebody say, I think he's the Antichrist. Invariably. I don't think I've ever, ever, I don't think I've ever seen a president from that political party that I haven't heard someone say it was the Antichrist. And do you know what else? That other political party, when, when, when the other team, the other political party gets one, all they ever want to talk about is how awful they are and how they should be impeached. And they go backwards and forth. And I don't care where you're at this morning or this evening. I don't care whose side you're on. What I want to tell you is this. They're going to answer for themselves. I don't care if they got a D or an R after their name. They will answer to the king. And our governors, they're going to answer. And our senators and our our representatives and our mayor and even us. We're going to give an account to the king. We don't know what it is to have a king. We've all, all we've had is a president. So that we're not, I don't think any of us emigrated from somewhere where there was a king. Do you know what you do to a king? You obey. Did you know that there was a time in England that to think about the death of the king was considered treason? To just think about him dying someday, him ever being laid in a coffin and laid in the earth, to even think about it was considered treason. So much so that, that the kings of, of that time period were not even allowed to attend funerals of their closest friends because it may cause some people there to think about the king and death and put them together and have treacher, treacher, ah, yeah, treacherous thoughts, treasonous thoughts. We don't, we don't know anything about serving kings. If the president says something, we don't like it. We can get on our computers and we can be couch warriors, keyboard warriors. We can blast them. 
You know, we can say, I, uh, this, uh, and we can have a, a high old time blasting them. We can post our memes to our Facebook pages like we're really doing something for the kingdom. I'm not even talking about the kingdom of heaven. I'm just talking about our earthly kingdom. Because we have the right to free speech. And thank God for it. But a lot of it is just hot air. Let's just be honest. A lot of free speech is just hot air. We're usually shouting into our own echo chambers and, and the people that hear us are like, yeah, right, right on, brother. Right on, sister. That's exactly the way I feel about it. But when we get face to face with someone who thinks differently, man, we suddenly, man, our keyboards go away. Our warrior spirit suddenly turns into uh, it's a wilted spirit. But you know, we can say whatever we want about our president. We can say anything we want about our governor. And so long as it's not a threat, we pretty well can say whatever we want and not face any consequences for it. We can, we can have civil disobedience. We can march. We can have signs. We can, we can do all that stuff. But when a king says do this, if you talk bad about it, you could be executed. We don't know anything about that. I believe it's one of the reasons that that other people from other countries, people that come from China and some of these other places where they're under dictatorships, I, sometimes I think it's why their obedience to God is more up to date than ours is because they're used to having to obey without question. And we are taught from the, our, from the uh, as soon as we can talk, to question authority. It's a dangerous thing to question the authority of God. He is king. And we might have a different opinion. And there are times that God has done things that I haven't understood. And there have been times that, I, to be just quite honest with you, if I, if I had, could have chosen different, I would have chosen different. But it is not for me to have an opinion about the workings of God. And if we don't... If we don't understand that we need to go back and we need to read about when God comes in the whirlwind and speaks to Job. Job has spoken a lot of opinion and God shows up. He says, I cover my mouth. I can't say anything. Because now that I'm in the presence of the king, I realize I have no right to speak. He's king. And maybe this isn't as high and mighty and, and, and maybe as, uh, as fun to preach about or maybe as fun to hear as it is about him being our priest. But folks, what good is that if, he, if he's our high priest and he's our, and he's our great king of kings if we're not going to be obedient to him? What's the point? What's the point if he sacrificed for us and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and mediating on our behalf if, if we're going to just continue to di be disobedient to his voice? If, if our opinion of the day and, and how, the, how, how our feelings move us, if that's going to control and dictate how we're going to behave, what's the point? The reason that this office is being held by Christ is he's the only one who can bring peace. And that's what Zechariah is told by God. He's going to bring peace between these two offices. 
He's the only one who can bring peace to the earth. He's the only one who can bring peace to the nations. And he's the only one who can bring peace to your heart. But as long as you continue to disobey, you won't know peace. Zechariah says, if you will diligently obey, these things will happen. Now, I want you to know that our disobedience can't stop God from doing his plan. And it wasn't up to the Israelites obeying for Christ to come. It had nothing to do with that. It's all about whether they would see and understand it. And do you know what? For so many of the Jewish people, they saw, but they didn't see. They heard, but they didn't hear. And as the nations were coming, as the people from afar off were coming to build the temple of the Lord, so many didn't see and understand. They couldn't recognize Christ as Messiah. They didn't recognize Him as the branch. They didn't recognize Him as the, as the one who is priest and king. In fact, so much so that we have the book of Hebrews. It was written to the Jewish people to help them to see that the, this prophecy and so many of the other prophecies to point to them and say to the Jewish people, wake up, look and see and know. There's a verse in Hebrews that I get, often, I get asked so often about what it means. And it talks about if we would go back, there's, that there's no sacrifice for sins. And it's just simply this. For the Jewish person, if they would reject Christ as the sacrifice for sins and try to go back to the temple worship, to the sacrificing of goats and sheep and, and all that stuff, that those sacrifices don't qualify them for the remission of their sins anymore. It's not talking about backsliding. It's talking about going back to the old Jewish traditions. The old Jewish sacrifices. And those sacrifices don't cut it anymore. And so, so many of us misunderstand that. But we have to remember that Hebrews is written for Hebrews, the Jewish people. And it's going back and it's trying to help us to understand this, this prophecy among others. Jesus is our king and he's our priest. And we must be obedient. And there's no other way. There's no other sacrifice. There's no other, there's no other avenue for salvation than to be obedient and to trust in the sacrifice of Christ. I'm thankful tonight that he's my priest and he's my king. Thankful this evening that we can be obedient in all things, that he gives us, he gives us the grace to be obedient. Thankful he can take a rebellious heart and give a, a heart of submission and yielding. It's a beautiful drama, isn't it? It's a beautiful drama, a beautiful picture of what Jesus will be and what he is. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that we get to be a part of the people who get to look back at this and, and just smile.
I know, Zechariah, that prophecy. I know what you mean. You may not have understood. You knew something about a Messiah. You knew something about a priest and king. You, di you didn't understand that this was going to be the Son of God. You didn't understand that it was, he was going to change the world, not just the Jewish world, but the entire world. You didn't understand what was going on here. You went through the motions and, and maybe had a little bit of knowledge. And, and maybe we don't have full knowledge, but thank God for the more complete understanding. He's our priest tonight. He's our king. And we will be obedient to him, for he alone is worthy. Hallelujah. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Praise his name. Let's stand together. Brother Dean, dismiss us in prayer, please.